Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Hopefully you guys are doing well and uh, caffeinated uh, because this is going to be, uh, I'm, I'm sad the men are going to miss this message. Um, it's, I think they're going to miss out. But um, this, uh, the heartbeat behind this series that we've been going through called Reigning in Life, or you could probably uh, uh, rephrase it now that we're kind of at the end of the series, uh, the weapons that God has given you to wage war in the spiritual battle that you're born in. That's all that this series is about. So we've been talking about the weapons that God gives his people to kind of push back the forces of evil. We, we dug in first. Uh, we had to recognize that when you're new in Christ, not only are you a new creation, but Paul says that in Ephesians 2.6 that when you're in Christ, you're seated with him in heavenly places. That when you get born again, it's like your spirit begins to commune with the Father and you're seated up with Him in Christ. And part of that is not just so you can kind of die and go to heaven and live in disembodied kind of experience forever, but so that God's Spirit could come reside in you and you become a force of heaven in this place that loves to embrace hell. And so we uh, looked at not only our position, but these weapons, God's Word discernment, discerning in between truth and error, uh, you know, discerning what's going on out in the world, asking deeper questions, the, the weapon of prayer, forgiveness, repentance. Again, all of these is to kind of push back the forces of darkness. And there's one other weapon that I want to talk about this morning. Uh, it's a powerful weapon, but it's a fun one. And it's the weapon of praise, the weapon of praise. All right, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we came here in a lot of different places with you, and God, I pray that right now, God, your word would pierce through our calluses, pierce through our stubbornness, our pride, Father, that you would reorient us to be, Lord, agents of praise, agents, uh, people that bring you glory in all that we do, and Father, I pray that you would just equip us this morning with another tool on our belt of praise. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you guys ready for a little praise? We're going to get in it. It's gonna, we're going to have a little practice session at the end just to kind of give you a heads up that this is a little participatory this morning. Um, but what is praise? Praise, quite simply, is a verbal statement about God. I asked Will that, and, and he gave, uh, Will McGinnis, we uh, got together this week to talk about this this message, and I was like, man, how would you define praise? And I couldn't find a better definition online anywhere than the definition Will gave. It's a simple verbal statement about who God is. It's a, it's, to praise is to express adoration or approval. We praise God for his traits, his work, his character. Praise includes acts of blessing, mending, honoring, thanking, celebrating, rejoicing, and we praise the Lord because He's the only one worthy of our praise. Praise 
is the natural human response to encountering and experiencing God. It's what kind of our human nature does when we get in the presence of a holy, almighty God. And if he, you know, no matter what he's doing to us, whether healing us or restoring us or just being with us, the natural human response is, God, you're good. God, you're so faithful. God, I thank you for being here. God, I thank you for your presence. There's this natural human response when human meets divine. And we praise. I remember uh, early on in college, right, when I started really walking with the Lord, I would uh, find myself going out on the weekends instead of all my buddies kind of you know, hitting the bar scene. I'd, I'd just hop in my car and I'd, I'd get a few CDs. You know, that we used to do CDs. There were tapes. We actually had cassettes. I had a few cassettes in my car in college. Anyway, you know what those are, right? Okay. Um, but I was listening to some old CDs, and I would just go out, and I would, I would just worship God. I would just worship God. Worship God for what he's doing in my life. Worship God for what he was doing in, in my friends' lives around me. And seeing what he was kind of doing, there was this kind of like, man, I'd, I'd much rather go out and praise God in the car or coming together in, in corporate worship when it's not just you and the Lord praising together, but, but when people, God's image bearers, get together. Uh, man, there's been hearing God. There's been prophetic visions, not only for my personal life, but for others. There's, and, and even in the dark, dark hours, turning to God in praise and worship, there's just this natural human response in our heart that God is looking for, and that is a heart of praise. Praise has a way of sinking our hearts with the tenor of heaven. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we daily get to use this weapon. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. This isn't just kind of a one-time thing or maybe just a Sunday morning thing we get to do with other believers. This is a weapon that God wants to hand you today that you begin to expressing this weapon and throwing off darkness. And we're going to look at some of the results of what happens in, uh, in Scripture when people praise God. There's some pretty amazing things that happen. Philippians 4.4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And there's a, there doesn't seem to be, there seems that it's less like seeking an emotional experience. This rejoice, again I say rejoice, it seems like it's coming across more of a, a command from Scripture. It's not about, and this is how we a lot of times we approach praise or worship, is we, we come and we wait kind of for a feeling to hit us. We don't really know what that feeling is, but we're kind of just waiting for some sort of feeling to hit us, and then, then, that's when we'll praise. But that's not what Scripture teaches us. It's that it seems to be a command to choose to praise Him. Rejoice. Make a choice. And I want you to truly catch this, because again, this isn't our normal approach. A lot of times we've been entertained to death, and and a lot of times our approach to praise is in the same manner. We, we need to be kind of entertained enough to kind of get to a place of feeling one 
whatever. That's not what praise is. Praise is we're choosing to praise the Almighty God because it's the right thing to do in every circumstance. So some historical perspective of this great weapon. King David, who wrote most of the songs of the Psalms, it was said about this about him. 1 Samuel 16 says, Whenever a tormenting spirit came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play, and then relief would come to Saul, and he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Most likely, David was playing and singing probably one of the numerous songs that he created out in the wilderness as he's a young man that kind of was forged in between this relationship between God and him. And David had cultivated his praise of God, with God, throughout his whole life. And as he's playing this harp over King Saul at the time, any time he played, that spirit would leave him. David's praise had supernatural power to push back evil spirits. Praise breaks oppression of the enemy. Quite simply, praise breaks the oppression of the enemy. Last month I heard a testimony of a girl who, uh, she went to her parents and uh, demanded, wanted to transition. And, uh, And so the parents kind of, not really knowing how to kind of respond to that request of their own child, they said, well, before you do, before, well, we want you to go to this worship event the, the day before you kind of do it. And, they, and so they, she agreed, okay, I'll go to this worship event. And so she's there at this worship event, and she's sitting way, she's outside the crowd, just on the periphery of this worship event. And this young girl who's experiencing a a lot of pain, a lot of confusion, she, just through the worship, just through the praise of the people of God, she she sat there, and her testimony is, as I was listening to the worship, it was like as if God's presence started falling from the top of my head all the way down to the bottom of my feet, and I felt changed. And that story goes on to where She ends up not transitioning. She begins pursuing her identity in Jesus, and she's walking in greater freedom. She has a greater sense of who God made her to be and not how the world is trying to define her. And those spirits of confusion, self-hatred, and insecurity left her because the people of God were praising. Praise breaks the oppression of the enemy. Another example of how God uses praise as a divine weapon, a few centuries later, after David, King David, when the nation of Israel was in decline because of how they they compromised so much with the surrounding nations, embracing their gods, embracing their ideologies, but God raised up a man named Jehoshaphat. Love that name, Jehoshaphat. It's kind of fun to say. Anyway, a mighty, tremendous leader that worked hard to keep God's people faithful to him. Uh, He was an amazing leader. He tore down the altars of Baal and Asherah, and he appoints judges over the nation of Israel. He's restoring order, restoring godly order. However, three nations, Moab, Amnon, and Eden, all band together to fight Jehoshaphat and his men. 
So we pick up this story in 2 Chronicles 20. So these three nations are coming against them. Verse 13, As all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite who was a descendant of Asaph. He said, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them, and you will find them coming through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He's with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low down his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites, these were the kind of the priestly tribe, the priestly clan, they came out, the clans of Korath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Toka. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you'll succeed. Verse 21. So after consulting the people, the king appointed singers. Check this. He appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they say. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing and praise God and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Amnon, Moab, and, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. The armies of Moab and Amnon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed each one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Tremendous story. Not one of Jehoshaphat's men even had to go to war. All they did was praise. When they praise, it says, and I love the fact, it says, right when they started praising God, God brought confusion to the enemy. God made them start fighting amongst themselves, and God gave them tremendous victory. And how about that to kind of declare over this kind of present-day situations, plural, that we find ourselves in? Of leading with praise, saying, God, I know that in times past, that when your people have praised, it's brought confusion to the enemy. God, I pray that you would do that again. And that's, the, that's, that's actually the root word of testimony, is to do it again. And that's why you share testimonies, is to increase faith that God can do the same, not only with that person, but with you as well. And what about this weapon of praise in the New Testament? We'll pick up Acts 18. It says, after, upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell 
and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas, that's who we're talking about, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. Wow. The praise. In a very difficult situation. It's probably not the natural reaction Paul or Silas would have in prison. I mean, could you imagine the natural reaction that you, if you were thrown in prison with your best buddy, probably against some trumped-up charges, how would you be feeling? All bent out of shape? Oh, I can't believe that judge. Oh, I can't believe we're in here. And you start grumbling and complaining about the situation you find yourself in. But instead, Paul and Silas push all that aside. And they say, we're going to worship Jesus because that's the right thing to do no matter what the situation is. And boom, an earthquake shook the prison foundations and all the doors opened up. Not only was there liberation for Paul and Silas, there was liberation for everyone. And that's what praise brings. Praise brings liberation. Not only breaks the oppression of the enemy, not only does it confuse the enemy, but it brings liberation. Praise breaks oppression. It can thwart the enemy's schemes. It can bring freedom. Psalm 103 I think David found this secret. It says, All that I am, I praise the Lord. With all my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. With all that I am, I praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and mercy. That's the good God we get to serve every day. Every breath that comes in and out of our mouth is a chance to praise God. Not just with our words. There's a lot of examples of praise that are not just with our speech. It's praising God with how we act and how we demonstrate who God is to others. We praise God. David danced before the Lord. You probably want me to be in closed doors if I was to dance before the Lord. But anyway, Praise can take on so many forms. It's, a, it's, it's like the state of the heart. And we live to praise Him. No matter what we're doing, we live to praise Him. So how do we praise? It's pretty easy. We fix our attention on Him and choose to praise. There's your two steps. If you're taking notes, ha, attention on Him, choose to praise. Mm, deep, huh? Fix your eyes on him, the author and perfecter of your faith. Like Peter who got out of the boat, he got out of the boat and he says, Jesus, if it's you, you're my Messiah. I want to be just like you. If you can do it, so can I. Call me out of the boat. Jesus is like, all right, come on out. Peter comes on out. One of the only disciples that's getting out of the boat. Everybody else is probably like, dude, what the freak is going on? Peter steps out. He starts walking on the water with Jesus. So not only did Jesus walk on water, so did Peter. Until, in the story, it says, his eyes off Jesus and onto the storm. And that's the exact temptation that we face every day. Are you going to fix it on Jesus? Or are you going to fix it on the storm? 
Because everything in your flesh is like, what's going on with the storm? Yeah, know what's going on with the storm, but fix your eyes on him. And then choose to praise. Speak or sing out of your mouth about the goodness and greatness of God. It's always the right thing to do. God, you're a forgiving God. God, I thank you that you're a forgiving God. You're a God who guides. You are king and you are Lord over all this planet. God, I thank you that you are king and Lord and that you reign forever. Your joy, God, your joy is my strength. God, I thank you that it's your joy, not the condition of my heart or the state of my happiness that gives me strength. God, it's your continually abundant, consistent joy that gives me strength. So if you're feeling under it in any area of your life, in any area of your personal soul, this is the place where you need to take out that weapon and begin praising God over that situation, over that addiction, over that strong. God, I praise you. God, I thank you that you didn't make me one that, has, that pursues out of the flesh. God, you made me one that is strong in the spirit. And I say yes to you. I say yes to your spirit and no to my flesh. God, I praise you. You need to begin applying praise to those areas of your soul that you feel oppressed. And use that praise to break that oppression over the darkness over your life. How about praising over your family? God, I praise you for how you made whoever else in your family. You can use praise to God, I thank you for how you made my wife. Jim, and she, she's wired beautifully. Man, she's such a compliment. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for my boys. God, I thank you for how you wired them the destinies that you have for them. God, I praise you. Instead of getting worried over your kids, why don't you praise God over your kids? And there's something that begins to shift. There begins, a spirit of faith begins to rise up. And that fear begins to dissipate. Or how about praising God over, your, over a situation? That you're, every time you put your head down on the pillow, that situation is on your mind. God, I praise you that you're a good God that knows about this situation. And God, I praise you and thank you that you're going to intervene. Now, we're not trying to manipulate the situation, but we're using this weapon of praise to allow God to do what he wants to do. Do We anticipate that God's going to reveal, he's going to move, he's going to transform us as he sees fit. Just like Paul and Silas, man, they were just praising God. They weren't expecting an earthquake. Well, maybe they were, but it's like, man, we're praising God. Things happen. But we're uniting our voice with that of heaven, depending on God to have his total will over the enemy or this circumstance. And through praise, as if, as if you're bringing heaven on earth in real time. And that's what he's asked us to do. So it's not letting circumstances throw you off your game. A lot of life is going to be dealt to us. A life. A lot of shh get thrown at us. But it's, it's the moment. That's the moment where your heart needs to, as God's sons and daughters, turn to him. God, I'm going to praise you. So this weapon is powerful of seeing God glorified, of seeing evil spirits leave seeing victory in your life and in the lives of God's people against the schemes of the enemy and of seeing God do great things that only he can do. So we're going to practice this right now. You guys ready? All right. So uh, Will, uh, Will and Jordan, come on up. 
Now, we've mainly been talking about kind of individual praise, kind of an individual, everyday kind of praise weapon. However, when God's people get together, God's image bearers, who are all praising God throughout the week, get coming together, imagine the level of demonic oppression that gets thrown off. Imagine the level of victory. Imagine it's... There's, there's a powerful force. There's a reason why Jesus sent out disciples two by two. One, it takes an Old Testament principle. One puts to a flight a thousand, two, ten thousand. The exponential reward or increase of people doing things together in the kingdom. And I just don't want us to miss that when we get together every Sunday and we're worshiping God, when we're choosing, not waiting for that feeling to kind of hit us, but that we're coming in and we're choosing to praise the living God. And I think our worship's going to take off. And our praise, especially on Sunday morning, our number one priority here is we want to host Jesus. We want to host His presence. And that this is a place where He can come and have His way. So when we gather together, man, God's empowered sons and daughters get to choose to declare our praise the good father that he is the good king that he is not to be entertained or again waiting for that feeling that god is glorified i'm going to praise him i'm going to rejoice no matter how i'm feeling i'm going to praise him so with that will jordan sing the song hey i'll go and stand up Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.